0: to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. Back when I was in college, I heard a song called Forever Young by a band called Alphaville. And this song touched me. I don't know why it resonated with me. It was maybe the melody, the singing. It always stuck with me. And to this day... I still listen to that song a lot. I will come home after being out with my wife for dinner or out with friends, and I'll pour a glass of wine, and I'll put that song on because it always makes me feel good. And what's cool is not only am I talking to the man who sang and wrote it, but the symphonic video for that song came out today, and from Alphaville, my guest is Marion Gold. How you doing, Marion?
1: Hello. Hey. Nice to talk to you. So, from, from where actually, from where are you calling at the moment? I'm
0: in New Jersey, I'm right outside Jersey, Philadelphia. Okay. Right. And, and you're in Germany or no? Where are you right now?
1: No, no, I'm, I'm in Belgium at the moment. Uh, we we uh do a concert tonight in um, uh in Ostende, which is uh, a harbor town close to the uh to the canal. And uh, yeah, we had some problems because uh, our our keyboard is this, uh, he caught COVID and we had to find a replacement and the very last moment we we, we fo- found somebody because we have for each and every member apart from myself uh, we have another person that could jump in in um so situation like that so we were well organized but we couldn't reach this guy christopher uh we couldn't reach him for quite a while but now it works it it seems that we we were able to play tonight i'm looking very much forward to that
0: no, I know you had you have some shows in September, but you know, you haven't done a lot of shows lately. So that must stink when you have it all set up and then someone gets sick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's also I mean the the situation at the moment as a whole is is very strange because um at the mo- I mean, we did this this symphonic album Eternally Yours, which is uh I think out by the end of uh, September. And um and I mean, th- now we, when we're doing the concerts, we're in, in a completely different mode, because what we're doing at the moment with Alphaville is more like a rock and roll show. You know, it has nothing to do with uh, orchestra or symphonic music. Uh, that that will start uh, at the beginning of next year, 23, when we when we're touring Europe with a big with a big orchestra, with for ex- ac- the same orchestra which uh, which which we have recorded the album. Um, so I'm living in two worlds at the moment, you know, and it's, it's sometimes a bit confusing. I, I watched the Forever Young video, this symphonic
0: one today. It just came out. And I want to ask you about that, because to me, that's what music and art is about. You look like you're having so much damn fun in that video. You're smiling. Tell me about the shooting of that video and how it got started.
1: Yeah, it was um, I, I I shortly before we were ready to rec- uh, to video record the uh, the video. Uh, I told the guys from the band, "Come on, put on some colorful clothes and and let's let's have a party with with the orchestra and you know, let's do it like it, it, as if it was live." I mean, it's not live. It's a, we will act into a playback. Uh, but um we yeah, in fact we had lots of fun and I wanted to have that everybody sees the video can see that we all having fun and is, you know, because I think in these times of war and of confusion and all these really terrible things, you know, that are happening at the moment, you know, I thought let's let's do something positive and uh, and I think Forever Young is a, a perfect tune for this, you know, it because it to every situation it has an it has an elementary answer. I mean, it it answers to also to many contradictional things. You know, it gives, I mean, the people play it on, uh, I don't know, on weddings, birthdays, but also on funerals or whatever. So it seems that the the song has really um, a kind of impact on on persons in very different situations, a positive impact of, of persons in very different situations. I think this is a phenomenon about it. And uh, I, I actually don't understand it as a whole, you know, why it is like that. Because when we wrote the song 40 years ago, um, we we would not think about this, about all these uh, characteristics of the song. And actually, if we had known what, what, what kind of monster the song would become, uh, <laughs> we would probably... We would probably fuck it all up, you know. <laughs> it would have us really nervous. When, when you wrote the... oh no! The, no, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> explain, explain the lyrics. Where, where did when you wrote that song? What were you trying to? What was the message you were trying to uh, make? A statement you're trying well, to make. The message
1: is: the message is we are all uh, we are all mortals, and this is not a tragedy it's not a tragedy it's, i mean it's like you know it's like the chorus line that says you know um, forever young do you want to do you really want to live forever it's a question you know and the question means you know there's some sense of doubt behind it is it is it really a good idea uh, to be forever young to be immortal and um uh, and uh, i think no it's not It's not a good idea, although deep in myself, you know, I wish I was immortal. I mean, nobody wants to die. And this is a big question about the the big riddle of our existence. You know, how can we exist just to fade away again? You know, this is uh, there is no explanation. We have religious uh, answers to this question. But the very last answer we will have when we die. And, And but I mean. On the other hand, yeah. If you imagine, we would never fade. We would stay forever there. I mean, that was the But it's a nightmare, you know. There's no room enough for an idea like that. Even in an infinite universe, it would be too much. Exactly. <laughs> and, so- and the song, I think, when people listen to the song, it's it's a little bit of uh, solace for them. You know, it's it gives solace to the this big tragic riddle, what, what we all carry around with, with our, we'll never find an answer, and the, 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 the song gives us a little peace of mind about this.
0: Well, what's amazing about that song also, is, as I said, I heard it when it came out in college, and uh, it stuck with me. And then when Napoleon Dynamite was a big movie hit over here, it was in that, and a whole new generation caught on to it. As a performer, that must be great as a creator, that you hit a second wave of group of people, and now they'll introduce people. How does that feel when you know your song is 40 years old, but there's some songs that came out 40 years ago, and they just stopped? Your song, this has gone on. As someone who created that, that must be a wonderful feeling inside.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's not that I, I don't feel responsible for that. <laughs> you know, we created a song... Uh, and we we put it into the world and now you know it does its own thing in the world you know and it's it's i'm very grateful that uh, the song is, is still so popular uh, today or maybe even more popular than it ever was in the past and um, um i'm very grateful for that but sometimes it's really i have the feeling that when when i perform when we perform the song when we sing the song at the end of our concerts for instance you know it's just like actually uh, it feels like i sing the song of somebody else you know somebody i don't know somebody who uh, a, another per, another variation of myself i, I have no idea but uh, the song has a kind of life on itself you know and uh um when people ask me oh, come on tell me how how was it how was it like when you wrote, wrote the song you know what what is the trick you know i i cannot tell it's just poor coincidence you know we we just, for us, at the very moment when we created a song, it was just another song that we created. When it was finished and we were listening to it, we actually knew that we had something very special uh, in our hands. Um, but that that happened to almost every song at the beginning when we started writing songs because, I mean, that we were able, at least able to create songs at all, you know, was such a wonder for us. And it was because we had this... This means of uh, you know the sequences, the, the 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 drum machines, all these things, because not, nobody of us could play any natural instrument. You know, we we were just basically fans of music, and then suddenly these toys appeared, these little sequences, these little boxes, rhythm boxes, and all these things that we could afford from the little money we had, and our monophony, little monophonic synthesizers. You know, and suddenly we changed. Parts, you know, from being a fan to being a musician, and for us, it was a dream come true. And whenever we wrote a new song, we said, "Oh, we wrote a new song, we can do it,
0: fantastic!" You know. Well, and it's funny—you never, I didn't, you weren't musicians. Well, but did you love? You were fans. Who were some of the bands you were fans of when you were younger? Oh,
1: I mean. I mean it started with Johnny Rivers life at the Whiskey a Gogo. that was the first record I ever bought in my life you know uh, I had I had uh, about 12 Deutschmarks is the amount of about 9 dollars or something and uh, and there was only one one record that I could buy with this one long player that I could buy this uh, in this uh, little market in in my hometown Hereford. um, um and uh, that was this record. It was a used record, so the price was, was lower. And I bought it without knowing what what uh, music was on it. You know, I was uh, was a huge Beatles fan and a Kings fan, and so so I, I was listening to this. I mean, it was American rhythm and blues, you know, and I did not like it in the beginning. I mean, it was not the kind of music that I expected, you know. And um, and then, but that was the only record that I saw. I listened to it again and again and again, and after one week, I loved the music on it. You know, <laughs> and and it's actually it's a fucking great album. It's really really good album. I mean, Johnny Rivers, he's a genius. I mean, a live person. You know, he's just I mean, amazing on stage. I'm so I am really sorry that I never saw him performing live. And the Whiskey I Go became a place of my fantasy, you know, where all these fantastic artists would perform. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors were the house band. Imagine that. They were the house band of Whiskey ago Go and, and so many others. Jefferson Airplane. Um, so I thought, you know, one day you know, when I grow up, when I'm an adult, I travel to the States. I go to L.A., and I go to Whiskey, go and listen to the great bands that perform there. And then after a while, I forgot about everything. And I became an adult, you know, and uh, I, I think it was. Twenty twenty seventeen. We did we did a tour through the U.S. In, in, in some major cities and we came to L.A. and we, we did the show at the Starlet Bowl. And after the show, uh, I was driving back um, down uh the sunset. And I saw the sign, the whiskey I go go, and it all came back to me. I said, What? It still exists in I asked the driver, is it still going? And so I said, Yes, it's still going. And and uh, uh I mean, are bands playing bands? Yeah, they are still bands playing. And I mean, could we play possibly could we play there? And he said, Everybody can play there. <laughs> and and I said, Wow, <coughs> you know, when I talked to my manager, I said, You know what? Next year I wanna do a show at the whiskey i go i mean when my version oh it's a very it's a very small venue you know it's just 400 people it will be a financial disaster we have to come from europe here and just play in front of 400 people i mean the, <laughs> and i said i don't give a shit <laughs> you know i just want to play there. so we played the next year we played two consecutive nights there and uh it, yeah it was a fulfillment of it, my childhood's dream. And the the greatest thing was that when I was a little kid, I thought I would go there one day, as a fan of music and listen to other people's music there on the st- when they perform on stage. But meanwhile, I became a musician myself, and I could go inside of this place, go on the stage and play to the audience in this in this place, and it was just absolutely fantastic. I lived I lived in LA for
0: twenty years, and I'll tell you, it is something as a music fan. When you go into that place, it's beat up it's old it's but yeah. it it but when you walk in, it's one of those places you can you just feel history in the walls there's also yeah. There's also a bar in West Hollywood called Barney's Beanery, and that's the place where Janice Joplin punched Jim Morrison in the face, so that's a bar you go oh <laughs> i I gotta check that place out. <laughs> So how how was it getting on that stage? What was how did it feel when you were on the stage? I'm sure the show sold out because you guys everyone wants to see you. What did it feel like? Did, did you go back to feeling like a little kid, like this is my dream? I'm on the whiskey, or were you like,
1: eh? No, I'm I, normally I I I don't have a stage stage fright or things like that. I never had that. Actually, some some of my colleagues, you know, who are really very sophisticated artists you know they they die 10 times before they go on stage you know when they're on stage and they become professional and they do the show and everything is fine but before that they really have really problems you know they're like like that Uh, i'm not like that and i always felt a little bit it it made me feel unprofessional because i had because all these other great artists they had this problem you know and i would like to have, have this problem too it made me a more a professional person because they had it but i never had it unfortunately so there at the whiskey um it was a little bit like that it was a little bit like that. so i went i went up the stairs I, I remember when i entered this club for the first time it was empty we were just checking the location and what we could do about it and where we could place we, we we did a documentary with cameras and all these things and um so we had to check the the place and uh, and there was this little it's a little stage you know in a triangular stage in one one corner of the room, and I went up and I just walked from one side of the stage to the other, then back to the middle, and I stood there and looked there, and I, wow, I'm here, fantastic, you know, it was just like that. And what what I'm going to do about it. what what songs are we going to play and. um, yeah, and and then uh, at the very very night when we uh, when we when we did the first show, it was a little bit like that. It was a little bit like that. I mean, it's that uh, it made me a little bit nervous, you know, because it was like returning from a long long journey to a place I've, I've never been before. I mean, returning to a place you've never been before. It's really strange, isn't it? Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's deja vu. I know it's one of those things. You sit there and you go, you know. yeah because wow. you imagine you, I imagined so many times and now I finally was there you know it was just like a homecoming in a way so
0: the new double album Eternally Yours what made you decide to get a symphony involved because a lot of artists have done that and people love it but have you been a fan of symphonic sound or is it just
1: something that you said this will work great with Alphaville, yeah, I I think we we thought that <coughs> Alphaville music is is uh, the perfect, probably a perfect medium, you know, to um, or a perfect means to to be transported into this uh, symphonic area, uh, and actually we were right, you know, because when we finally did the production, it was not a big task to bring these uh, all these songs into into the symphonic shape with this fantastic orchestra that we had uh, at our hands. And um, um, I think it's because, I mean, when we started, we were a synthesizer band. And a synthesizer is, in a way, nothing else but a big orchestra. It's, I mean, you can change, you can create so many different sounds, and some some sounds even sound like flutes or violins or or just an ensemble of uh, several instruments you know if you have a polyphonic uh, synthesizer and um, so I mean there's a natural closeness between you know when when you when you produce or when you uh, compose on a synthesizer the the direction of the music goes a little bit into the same direction than music created by an orchestra and um, so there was there was this natural Relationship uh, between these two genres, and um, so that was the, the the reason that the the idea, you know, sooner or later, doing an album like that, hang upon our heads like the sword of Damocles <laughs> in a way. You know, so some somebody had to do it. Otherwise, the the, the sword would kill us. So <laughs> we had to do it, and um, and we had a certain idea how we would do it because a lot of lot of bands. Uh, For instance, uh, what Metallica did with the orchestra, what I found, I'm a great Metallica fan, but I found this album a little bit disappointing because I expected much more. They're using the orchestra more like a tapestry in the background and they're playing the the songs more or less the the same and then the orchestra accompanies them and and makes a bigger environment, creates a cathedral-like environment around the music, which is very nice, but... It's not very I don't know, not very innovative uh, for a band as Metallica is, which is a very innovative, fantastic band. And um, what what we try to achieve with this album is that when you listen to the music, it gives you the impression that all these songs that are, that are on the album have been written in the 19th century and then played by, an, by, an, by a classical orchestra. You know, I'm not saying that our music is classical music. I mean, it's definitely not. Uh, but um, as if these songs came from that period of time and an orchestra would have taken them and interpret, interpret them. And uh, and so the production, the, the star of the production is the orchestra, not the members of alphaville It's the orchestra with, with all the, the, the wonderful people that were in the orchestra that interpreted... I mean, we were just basically the producers of the album. The band as such, as active musicians, does not exist inside this. I mean, we did a few overdubs for some songs like uh, Jacob uh, played played a few drums and, and Carson played a few little synthesizer bits on Sounds Like a Melody, for instance. But the the basic thing and ev- no, uh, most of uh, I would say ninety nine percent or ninety five percent of the whole album is just played by the orchestra nothing else and uh, this is a big difference to many other um, similar productions you know that um, because it changed also the the the, the outcome it, it changed the, uh, the, the, the 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 songs. Uh, they sound very different, you know if you compare them to the original, because you have to change them you have to do something about it that it fits that it fits perfectly with the orchestra, and that was the adventure that was the the task and the 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 fascinating voyage you know to see you know once we started with one song and we arranged it uh, for the orchestra. To see how it slowly changed and became something else, you know, although it, it has the same subject, it has the same topic, it, it has the same contents of lyrics and, and the meaning is the same, but it, the perspective is, is different. And, and suddenly you, you become aware of very many different things that you couldn't see before or couldn't hear before, you know, uh, when you're listening to the original version and 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 it was just a fantastic experience and and we we are all changed the, the whole band of alphabet is completely changed by this production and I think it will be it will have a great impact on our further productions
0: as an artist, it must be exciting because it as you said it's another take on a song you created, and a lot of people they don't want to they don't want to change things, and it's very open minded of you to sit there and have. Another take and go a different angle with something you created. I mean, that must was that hard in the beginning. In the beginning, when you when you when you first when you had first had the idea to do this symphonic album, was it yeah. hard for you to think that my song is going to go in a different direction,
1: or was it exciting to you? Yeah, it was exciting. It was. It was. Uh, I mean, we had really great expectations. It was just like. Uh, I mean for us it was white territory in which we were sailing into which we were sailing you know and uh, and we we are very very curious people I think I mean curiosity I think is the is the main characteristic of an artist and um, and we we just expected so much uh, many of our expectations would not become true but other things became true that we would never ever expect and uh, as, as such, you know, it became just a wonderful experience, and uh, it really widened our minds and uh, also our capabilities. You know, probably for the future, you know, how we how we how we uh, compose, how we write music, how we uh, look at music and at the whole process of uh, um, of, of, of production. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's an orchestra is is, is the greatest instrument that exists, in my opinion, you know, but it doesn't mean that from now on, we will uh, only produce uh, orchestral uh, music, but it's, you can take a lot of these experiences into, into the the rock and roll or the, the, the pop area and, and work with them. You know, it gives you lots of hints and lots of inspiration.
0: Now, when you, you said you're going to be doing a symphonic tour, now, will you have, are you the band leader then? Or how does that work? Like, because when it's you and your show tonight, it's the band. So it's, you know, thing. but when now all of a sudden it's you, the band and the orchestra, how, did this, how does that work out in a live performance? I mean, you still are the front man, but you're not conducting the band. How is it going
1: to work? No, no. Um, I, I mean, there are so many people involved in a project like this and, and, I mean, we as a band were basically the producers, and we gave like hints, advices, or ideas. You know, to we had two uh, liberties, uh two um, uh, arrangers that that had a great experience, a great knowledge about how to write uh, notations for orchestra because it's really a complicated thing. I mean, as a as a as a pop or a rock unit, you have basically homophonic instruments that means you have like lots of chords, chord chordal instruments and um, so we have chord chord uh, sequences and stuff like that basically you know a a, a guitar is a a, uh, produces chords A, a, a piano, a synthesizer produces chords you know an orchestra is a complete different thing most, almost every instrument in an orchestra is a monophonic instrument it can't play chords you know so when when you when you uh, have this this chord structure of 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 a song you have to find like for each and every um instrument its individual line and they all have to, have to fit together so it becomes totally polyphonic a very complicated like a like a web a very complicated thing and it's it's not only complicated but it, it has also to uh, to sound beautiful because it offers lots of possibility of beautiness. and um, and that was that was a great experience we, we, we had, you know. So sometimes, yeah, I, I played a really important part in this in these decisions, you know, how we would carry on with this production. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But I would have been I would have been totally lost without the others from the band, and especially also without the uh, the, the two arrangers, Max Knod and Christian Law. Uh, they did a fantastic job. So, because they had to understand what we wanted and then they had to put it into, into notations, you know, um, which is a big thing. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm probably uh, a, leading, a leading factor in the band because I'm, I'm the last original member anyway. I'm the last Moican, so to speak. Uh, but And also the, the oldest person. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, respect, please. But... Um, um, Uh, But I mean, yeah, you need a lot of a lot of support in in a project like that. Like that you you lost if you have not support by the others.
0: Now, you're doing a lot of videos for this. uh, You've had a few videos come out for the new album. Are you going to do videos for all the songs?
1: I wish (laughs) it really. I mean, it depends how much we can steal money from the record company. (laughs) How, how much has it
0: changed
1: shooting a video
0: from the eighties to now?
1: Uh, it changed a lot because, um, I mean, now you, you make a video for, I don't know, $5,000 or something. I mean, it, for ridiculous sums. When we started in the eighties, you know, uh, video, the video costs were, were between 60 and 120,000 or something, you know, I mean, enormous sums. I mean if, if it would come i mean even whole album productions you know uh, uh, you know there's less money involved you know when you do production and everything is has become much much uh, uh cheaper and uh but there is something really nice about it and it's it's, it's not con- only concerning videos but concerning creative work as such i mean when we for instance when we started making music uh uh, we had all these little toys, and we had not very much knowledge about music. Just the music was playing in our head, in our heads, and um, we were completely reduced to minimal, really minimal things. So the only thing, the only weapon we had in our hands were, was our creativity, you know. And um, I think it, today it is, it's still until still until today it's it's the same you know if you want to achieve something in a production you no know, reduce the the outside possibilities to a minimum because then you it expands your imagination and your creativity and if you do it the other way around you become a sleeper in your own production and um and this is i think this is really a if some you know, starting musician would, would ask me for for for, for a, a, a tip or you know, something. I would I, I would just say that I would just say just try to minimize your environment and expand your that because that expands your your imagination and your creative uh, capabilities. And that is the most important thing.
0: Now you have a podcast too. Tell me about your podcast. The podcast. <laughs> I saw that on your and your website. Your website is great. It's it's very it's spot on.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's also. I mean, uh, Alpha is uh, from the beginning was a kind of uh, collective of many friends, you know, and and all through the years we we were. I I all, always worked with friends, you know, and that was. It's also the reason, for instance, that Bernard and me we're still friends. Bernard's not in the band anymore, but we're still very very close. And um, and also the the designer of the uh, the website is a friend of the band, you know. And and the podcast um, actually, you know, um, my 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 oldest daughter Lily, she's uh, twenty four now, and she started uh, musical management, uh, all these things around it, and she just finished her studies. And um, so, I, I took. She's she's just starting about starting her own company. And I took her into this uh, consultation with the rec company just to show show give her an impression about how these things uh, uh, take place. And uh, when we were talking about promotional activities, you know, um, we were talking about this, the possibility of a podcast. And then Lily, my daughter, says, "Oh, I could do it. I could interview you, Daddy." I said, "No way, you know." All my life, I put the family out of the business. You know, nobody knows anything about my family, so not at all. And then I thought about it and said, "Listen, you know, wait. She, she's just 20. She's 24 now. She's an adult person." And I said, "Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's it's interesting when she does the interview because I mean it's a more intimate situation. It's a she's a person I totally trust, and um, everything will be yeah in a different." It, 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 it's a different setting, and it's exactly so it was. I mean, I think this podcast is, uh, I think nobody else has done it before like this, and I think also the, the results are quite uh, interesting because it's a, different, it's a different procedure, and it, um, it, it ends in, in different, uh, in different um, co- content, you know, and more interesting content, probably.
0: Now, where did the name Alphaville
1: come from? Uh, it's from a movie from uh, Jean-Luc Godard um, that uh, I saw about the time when I was uh, thinking about the name for the band, and it, it's really a very confusing and very abstract and and ser- surreal movie, you know. From it's it's from the Nouvelle Vague. It's like uh, Jean-Luc Godard was an author that uh, a, a di- or is a director. Uh, uh, he comes from this French uh, film school which is called Nouvelle Vague, you know. And from this perspective, in this setting he tried to realize a, a, a secret service uh man, man you know, uh, fighting against uh, a, a a computer and, and this uh, in the, that rules the city and the name of the city is AlphaVille and yeah it's a it's a really it's a strange movie, a really strange movie. I I'm always attracted by bizarre things. So well, and then there is this moment when the, the 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 headlights of uh, of uh, a car you know sh- shine on on the sign the, the road sign of of the city Alphaville, and it flashed to my face you know from from the from the TV screen, I said, "This is the name for the band well i I, I, I think we have to to stop now okay. unfortunately because...
0: Well real quick, Marion gold, where would that name come from?
1: Marion gold man. <laughs> Marigold is. Um, when I was a little kid, I was um, I was a great fan of a German schlager singer from the 50s. His name is Freddie Quinn, uh, and he was a total hero for me. And he uh, he had a song. Um, it was a German uh, the German version of 16 Tons. She got 16 tons. Da, 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 da. And uh, the German version was Marianne, um, and went like uh these Mary and and um, it was a really a very thrilling story about a sailor who starts working on a ship and then he becomes after years and years he becomes the captain of the ship, and the ship is his destiny, and in the end, the ship you know takes him to the ground of the sea and he dies and um so it's a very dramatic dramatic song and as a 6-year-old you know i was just absolutely fascinated about this and when when i was thinking uh 20 25 years later about an artist name for me because my regular german name is hartwig schierbaum um i i, I thought well you know i'm an artist now i could have i could choose another name you know which is a great thing you know uh, that if you have the chance not not very many people have this chance you know so i, said, I, I was thinking about a name And I I came up with Marianne without, uh, I mean, without a certain reason. And then uh, in a a later interview, we were talking about this Freddie Quinn. And then I remembered this song, and it was just a subconscious decision that I did at that moment. And, And it's because, you know, Marianne is the name of a ship, and this ship carries this person through life, you know, just like a name. Carries the person through life. And probably this is the connection. So that is
0: the reason for Marion. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time, Marion. People, go to the All website, right. alphaville.info. The album comes out September 22nd. It's a double album, symphonic, sounds like Melody. Go to YouTube. The video for Forever Young just came out. There's a bunch of other videos. Their new song, Eternally Yours, is there. So thank you, Marion. People, I'm Steve Cooper. Uh, follow me on Twitter at CooperTalk. Email me at Cooper at Cooper at cooper, CooperTalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.
1: Bye. Thank-